Hello everyone, welcome to Great Hearts Table. If you're new, I hope you enjoy what you find here. And I invite all of you, I encourage all of you, to subscribe to the print version of Great Hearts Table at substack.com. The content is the same as the podcast on the first, second, and fourth Monday, but on the third Monday of each month, I post there a newsletter that addresses random, shorter matters of interest. And I want podcast listeners to receive this as well. It's free. Uh, those who are able are encouraged to upgrade to a paid subscription. That allows me to keep doing this, but most of all, I want you to get it. Now, what about those bad sermons you've preached over the years? That's what we're going to talk about this time. Thanks for joining us from a great first day. his first made-for-TV movies, The Tense and Mysterious Duel. We moved on to Jaws, and then to Close Encounters of the Third Kind. We were looking forward to Raiders of the Lost Ark, but between that and Close Encounters, there came something called 1941, a movie so spectacularly bad that we couldn't finish it. (laughs) As a preacher, I'm encouraged by this. Not every sermon is going to be Saving Private Ryan, and that's okay. I tell ministry students that I have a plus or minus 3,200 word essay due every Sunday morning, and late submissions are not allowed in the syllabus. Some weeks the schedule is tight, exegesis gets curtailed, or the writing is rushed. It's remarkable that I get anything out at all, and when I'm happy with the result, I'm in awe at the grace of God who enables me to piece together something true and helpful. But when the sermon is too long, too impractical, inadequately illustrated, or simply tedious, I want to hide my face and hustle off to some private place to be alone to bewail my inadequacy. Of course, if we've spoken something untrue from the pulpit, that needs to be corrected. Or if to allow more thoughtful preparation we need to reprioritize our schedules, then by all means we should do those things. But when we still churn out that bad sermon, the one that makes us want to quit altogether, I suggest we resist that impulse. The bad sermon is often not as bad as it feels. And even if it was, God can draw straight lines, as my mom would often remind me, with crooked sticks. There have been so many times when people have told me how much my self-judged terrible sermon helped them that I've been known to get angry at God for letting that happen. He refuses to join my pity party, and that frustrates me. Besides, the sermon's not the only vehicle by which God uses us to communicate His grace to our people. It's your presence, your care, and your delight in God that they see and care about. Contrary to what you may imagine, your polished oratory may be secondary at best. Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones wrote once about what he called the romance of preaching. Our words land in ways we can never imagine or predict. And I would add, they may take a while to germinate. I once saw singer-songwriter David Wilcox at a small venue in St. Augustine, Florida. He told a lot of stories, sang a lot of songs in the 90 minutes he was on stage. But none of it was immediately impactful. But in the days and weeks that followed, though, I began to remember lines 
Lines about starting with the ending. And images about making beauty within defined frames. What he had planted in my mind had to sit for a while. And when I needed them, they emerged. Hmm. Even our less than Oscar-worthy sermons can be like that. We plant that which in God's time and under his care breaks through the surface and blossoms. Your words, pastor, even the weak ones, are not in vain. You will preach bad sermons. Accept that and realize that you really are in great company. Charles Wesley wrote thousands of hymns. Most of them are now forgotten. Some, apparently, were so-so or even bad. It happens. Around 1930, a book titled The Stuffed Owl was published. This was a snarky collection of bad poetry written by poets such as Keats, Wordsworth, Byron, and others, some of the most esteemed English poets in history. Uh, You and I, we may not be the Keats of the pulpit, but it's good to see that even those greatest at their craft have occasionally lost their way, as do we. It's okay if we now and then squeak out a bad sermon. That's called being human. If Steven Spielberg can have 1941 in his body of work, then I think we all can be permitted the occasional sermonic dud. And before we send out invites to our pity parties, we might need to do a better job of just listening to the gospel we preach. Recently, I was wrapping up a sermon on how God accepts us, not because of our works or performance, but solely in Christ. As I did, though, I was convinced that this sermon belonged in my 1941 file. On the outside, I was saying that in Christ we're good enough apart from our production. Inside, I was condemning myself for producing such tripe. What others heard me say was that we are God's beloved apart from the quality or quantity of our acts. To myself, I was saying, this is an awful sermon. Everyone is thinking so. You should be embarrassed, Randy. (laughs) Again, instead of supporting my pity party, God showed me how silly I was being. When it was done, I laughed. Here's hoping you can laugh at your awful sermons as only the beloved of God can. Great Hearts Table is produced on the first, second, and fourth Mondays of each month as a podcast and also in print at substack.com. Thanks to Mark Nix and Cool Hand Luke for permission to use their songs Holy Vanguard and Wonder Tour. Check out their music, it's great. And if you like what you find here, please leave a review and rating. And thanks for listening. I'm Randy Greenwald, pastor of Covenant Presbyterian Church in Oviedo, Florida. You've already made too many mistakes To the light